So if you have to put 50% down, what price range will we be talking? Probably around 300 then. Okay, so you have about $150,000 to put down, all right. And another important thing, Scott, is that the closing costs in Cabo are more expensive than what we're used to in the States. I'm from Chicago, so I'm used to maybe paying one, one and a half percent of the purchase price and closing costs. So that $300,000 property, maybe I'm paying 4,500 US dollars in closing costs. Well, at that $300,000 price point, you can expect to pay about $15,000 in closing costs. Really, in closing costs in the United States, typically the, the seller pays for the closing costs. Welcome to the Nick Fong Podcast. As the broker and owner of Ronaval Real Estate, Nick has spent nearly 20 years in Baja, California, sir. And in this podcast, he'll be talking everything Baja, from food and culture to real estate and property management. And now, here's your host, Nick Fong. All right, coffee and contracts. Happy Friday, everyone. And thanks for all of you that are joining on location. There's some new faces and I got to meet some of you and some faces that I know from Mihangos. Welcome, welcome. Today I have Scott Purcell, our development manager, joining us at Cuatro Vientos, the new common area that was just completed, the pool and lounge area behind me. And Today's topic for the experienced agents, the new agents, or the aspiring agents, Katya, in the back, is a topic that came to us from Emma Nicholson, who's one of our team leads in the East Cape. She's connected by Zoom on my phone, and she mentioned to me uh, a problem that she finds and also her team in Los Bariles. But it's a problem that all of us are finding as real estate agents, which is how do we qualify our buyers? How do we filter them and make sure that they're serious and they're actual buyers? Because a lot of us representing buyers are spending a ton of time, hours, days, weeks, months, or even years with clients and they don't buy. And we can see that as a huge waste of time. Time is money. And I see coffee is just arriving. Apologize, this is coffee and contracts, but Starbucks was slow today. So it is coming. Liz, my assistant's coming in the back. So um, coffee along with pastries, cookies. So without further ado, Scott, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. We were talking yesterday on the car ride to La Paz a little bit about this morning and the the problems we have as real estate agents working with buyers. And what was the thing that you, when you were actually a regular real estate agent, not the manager of our developments, that helped you better qualify buyers? It's something that we talk about all the time. And I think we, sometimes we take it for granted. It, it's the old saying, the acronym in real estate is LP Mama, right? And so if you practice that a lot and, you know, practice it with your friends and other agents, then you can roll through these, the, this criteria 
um, without sounding like you're asking the criteria. But for me, qualifying a client is always about getting to the, you? Basis, the you, basics. You said something yes, that a yes. lot of us won't okay. know, LP yeah. Mama. All right. It's an acronym, so why don't you tell everyone what that is? Location, price, how much can they afford? Um, motivation, what is their motivation to come and, and buy here? Agent, this is a big deal too because we see this all the time. A, uh, a buyer will finish a tour with their agent and they decide they want to go see something else and then at a development, let's say, and the, the agents at the development get all excited because here's a walk-in, unrepresented client, and they start talking to the client as if they're going to rep represent them on the buy side. So ask them if they're using an agent. So it's really, really important. If they're working with somebody, you have to bring that person into the conversation. And so that's the A. Then M is money. How are they going to pay? And that's the biggest part to me on qualifying a buyer is being uh, assertive enough and comfortable enough in the conversation that, okay, how are you going to pay for this? Your budget is $350,000. Do you have $350,000? Are you going to, you know, move money from an investment? Do you need time to do that? Are you going to sell a property? Are you going to get a, a, uh, an equity line of credit? Are you going to put another mortgage on your house? How are you going to pay for that? And so in that conversation with about money, you can understand if they're ready to buy or well, we have to sell a place before we can be ready to buy. So then you're talking about something that is in the future. And the last one is the most important one is appointment. So you're excited to talk to somebody, you get through all these steps and don't forget to make the next appointment. Okay, I'm available to, to meet you tomorrow morning. Is that right for you? And so, yes, you're setting the appointment for the, for the next meeting. Okay, that's important. Not just the initial appointment, but the following appointment. Yeah. So you spend a day touring a client, and then I did this 20 years, almost 20 years ago. It's like you drop them off at the hotel, it's like, okay, bye, and that's it. <laughs> There's no, what's the next step? And what Scott is talking about, a lot of times the next step is an appointment, mm -hmm. a follow-up appointment, a phone call, going to their hotel or their Airbnb and scheduling a meeting to talk about the properties that you just showed them for four hours. And so that is that could be an example of that appointment. Or it could be, let's go to those two properties that were your favorite today and see it a second time. Maybe not during the day, but maybe in the evening to see what it's like at night. Mm -hmm. What's the traffic like? What's the noise like? What's the view look like? Very right. important. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So that's LP Mama. Yep. And we teach that from the very beginning. Andrea, our call center manager, yes. she uh, teaches our call center people. So all the people that come into our system from the very top, we're qualifying them. But this was something that we talked about yesterday, which is you can qualify a client in the very beginning and their LP mama, location, price, motivation, money, um, and the appointment, and they change. Their criteria completely changes. Seoul had a client last year that the price range started at a million, maybe. I'm, th I'm talking East Cape, 900, and they ended up buying something over 3 million. So if you only rely on the information our clients give us in the very beginning, you're doing a disservice to the client and you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Uh, with our buyers because I would say most buyers start low and then they go up 
and not so much the other way around because they want to get the best deal possible. And if they give you a budget of $2 million, then us as real estate agents are only going to look at $2 million properties. So buyers are savvy, a lot of them are, and they'll say $1 million. Why pay $2 million if I could get it for $1 million, right? But the questions we ask are going to uh, determine what they're telling us is actually realistic and if they're possibly able to go at a higher budget, right? Totally. And that's part of your initial conversation with anybody is the first part is always building a rapport. And building a rapport is, is understanding, you know, what the client is really looking for, what's important to them, listening to the client, let them talk and through asking questions and talking with the client and listening to what their, what their wishes are, you can determine usually, well, okay, they said their budget is a million dollars, but what they're wishing for is three or four million dollars. And so then you can have, start having that conversation about money, say, you know, well, you know, what you're looking for uh, right now in that budget, in that range, we can't find anything. So are you able to invest a little more into getting exactly what it is you want? And that's part of the qualification as well. So building that rapport with the client so that they'll, they'll tell you what they're really thinking is really important. Right. All right. So LP Mama, mm -hmm. and what other things that you experience as a real estate agent has helped you better qualify your so buyers? I, I read a lot. And uh, one of the books that I really liked is, uh, is a book by Robert Cialdini. It's called uh, Influence, The Power of Persuasion. And then there it talks about all these different methods for building rapport. And so using those methods to initially build a rapport with your client, things like if it's somebody that speaks really fast, you don't want to speak really slowly in, in, uh, with them. If somebody who speaks really slow, you don't want to talk very fast with them. So learn how to communicate with your client initially by listening to them. Listen to how they talk. If you're sitting with them, what are their mannerisms? So you can kind of be on the same page and build that trust because that's really important with building the trust. Second, you mentioned the ISA. I would say what's really important because the ISA does an amazing job. Uh, when they give you a lead, take the time to go back and look through the communication history with that client in their, in their chats, in, the, in our, our CRM, and you can understand what those conversations were so you're not irritating them by asking the same questions again. Right. And so that's important. Um, but I think the biggest part is understanding what it is they want to accomplish and how much they can actually put into that effort and what's available, being the expert, and that's part of building the rapport, knowing the market. If they say, I really love, you know, one place, and so focus on that place. If that's what they really want, focus on that place, if it makes sense for them. If they want one place and they can't afford it, then maybe add some other options that are similar at a lower price. Yeah, Scott, yesterday, he and I were talking, and he mentioned sometimes the buyer does know what they want, and they don't need to be convinced to buy something. And if you are asking the right questions, you'll be able to sense whether or not you should, are you gonna really guide them into the different areas and communities and be uh, that advisor? Or are you just going to take orders from them and they say, I wanna buy, and you just said this to me, mm -hmm. uh, this was a recent client, 
um, or a past client, I want to buy in Mavila. That's it. I don't want you to try to convince me to buy in, in another community in San Jose del Cabo. I want to buy here. And, and so Scott asking the right questions with the buyer, okay, well, you, you have friends that own in there. You visited that place. You like to play golf. You like the Pacific side. And so it makes no sense uh, for us as sales agents to spend all of this time showing them other properties because they're gonna say to themselves, do not listen to me. I just wanna buy a property in Mavila and I don't wanna go to San Jose. And so you have to be very aware of your clients, what they're saying to you, how they're saying it to you, asking a lot of questions. And there are cases where some buyers don't wanna to be toured around. They just want that property, right? But I would say that's the minority. The majority of our clients are open to um, areas, price points, property types, even though they start with a price point, an area, a community, a condominium versus a house or vice versa. And it's the questions that we're asking and then the experience and the interactions that we're gonna be able to really um, determine that this is what they want. And to be able to suggest mm -hmm. new options to them that's our job as real estate agents is to shorten that time window of searching because we do not, the longer the time goes, the chances of selling a buyer diminish dramatically, right? And that's why it's really important um, during the sales process, the speed to the lead, the speed to the client is ultra important. There's numerous studies that show that if you do not get in touch with a person that comes in your website or sends you an email or gives you a phone call, in that first five minutes, your chances of getting a sale drop dramatically because they're moving on to the next real estate agent. And so that's at the very beginning when people start looking for properties, but even more so when you start working with a buyer, the speed at which you're able to funnel down the selection options, the properties and communities, and to make sense of all the noise, all the options that are out there. The better we can do in terms of funneling it down, in terms of just a handful of properties when we're actually touring, is gonna dramatically increase our conversions on sales. So tour to sale. Um, I would, just for number purposes, if you're, Going on 10 tours, you should at least get one sale. So 10 clients you tour, you should get at least one sale. Over the years, that's the conversion numbers that I've seen um, in Ronival. And there are agents that convert at 20%, 30%. Scott, who no longer sells, he manages developments. When you first started, what was your conversion? A uh, little over 40. So Every 10 uh, people he toured, he sold four properties. And if I remember correctly, in your first two months, you had seven sales. Something like that, yes. And so that's using the LP mama, asking the questions, qualifying your buyers, and not relying simply on the information that was given in the very beginning, but constantly refining that. And doing it in a way where it, the buyer, the, the client doesn't feel like they're being um, it's like 
21 questions or 99 questions or they're being interrogated to be able to maneuver that into normal conversation. Everybody wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold. So if you make them feel like you're selling them, then that goes to, to a very important point, I think. And that is, it's never about you. It's not about your commission. It's not about how much money you can make. It's not about what you think is great. It's about what your client wants. And when you go into a deal with that perspective, then it changes everything. So then you move from a, a, a perception of being the guy who wants to sell me something to being the guy that really cares about what I want. Hey, thanks for being a part of the Nick Fong podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest updates. And if you're watching this on our social channels, please like and share. And if you want to be featured or you want me to talk on a certain topic, food, activities, culture, real estate in the Baja, drop a comment. All right. That's more or less what we wanted to start the conversation. We wanted to be able to answer any questions that agents that are connected. Yeah. Emma. Can, can I just um, sort of uh, suggest that agents not be scared about asking questions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what the issue that we have a lot is that agents don't qualify their um, buyers on the East Cape, so they bring them up for a nice day out for a touring, and it's, we can spend five hours of our day, yeah. but then the, guy, the buyers go down the roads and they say, oh, we don't like the roads. So, so the, the buyer agent needs to ask tough questions like, do you genuinely know those areas? Right. So what Emma is saying is, as agents, don't be afraid to ask the tough questions. And I know as a real estate agent, it's hard to ask questions when you don't have the experience because you are thinking you're asking really personal questions. Like, how much money do you have? That's a super personal question, right? How much, you're not asking how much money do you have in your bank account. You're asking how much money would you want to spend on your home purchase in the Baja, in Los Bariles, in Cabo San Lucas, in San Jose del Cabo. And you feel very confident that they're gonna be very open to sharing that information. Do all of our buyers share that information openly? Absolutely not, right? But there's ways to ask questions, more questions to get that out. So what would you do if a buyer, Scott, said, if I asked you as a, as a buyer, mm -hmm. So Scott, to start your search, what price range are you looking at? I'm looking at about $350,000. Okay. And I want a house, I want uh, three bedrooms and two and a half bathrooms and uh, a view of the water. Okay, and Scott, have you looked at any properties in Cabo before? I've stayed here a few times and I've, I've looked around and you know, it's been a few years back, so uh, I understand things have changed, but you know, I like the area around, uh, you know, around Costco. Okay. And you stayed at different places. Are those hotels or? Yes, hotels. Which hotels? I stayed at uh, Pueblo Benito Blanco and also Sunset. All right, so the Pueblo Benito hotels. Mm -hmm. And are you purchasing this property for your personal use or are you gonna rent it also? I wanna be able to use it sometimes and rent it other times. And how much personal use would you have? Uh, maybe a month out of a year. Okay, so the other 11 months, are you, when you rent it, are you looking to just cover your costs or are you trying to 
have an actual return on investment. Well, everybody wants a return, right? Yeah. So, are, but are you looking for yeah. a certain percentage return? I don't know what that is. I hear a lot of numbers. I hear some people saying it's 25%. Some people say it's 5 or 6%. Yeah. I don't know what the, what the truth is. I have seen after expenses, the typical vacation rental property is somewhere between 3 and 6%. Okay. And that is including your own personal use of the property. Mm -hmm. So the $350,000 price point, and watch this, the price is one of the LP Mama criteria. So the price, so Scott, mm -hmm. you said $350,000. Is the $350,000 based on what you've seen online, or is that the amount of money you have available? To it's purchase? based on what I've seen online. Okay. So is, are you aware that the majority of our purchases are done with cash? I didn't know that, no. Okay. So if it was a cash purchase, would that still be a $350,000 budget? No. No, it wouldn't. I don't have that much in cash, so I'd need to use some kind of financing, right? So I, yeah. is that a, in the States, that's how we do it. Yeah, so there's a couple of financing options to Americans. There's Moxie and there's Intercam. I would say roughly, even though some of them will go 35 40% down, plan on 50% down and mortgage rates starting in the 8% range. So if you have to put 50% down, what price range will we be talking? Probably around 300 then. Okay, so you have about $150,000 yes. to put down, all right? And another important thing, Scott, is that the closing costs in Cabo are more expensive than what we're used to in the States. I'm from Chicago, so I'm used to maybe paying one, one and a half percent of the purchase price and closing costs. So that $300,000 property, maybe I'm paying 4,500 US dollars mm -hmm. in closing costs. Well, at that $300,000 price point, you can expect to pay about $15,000 in closing costs. Really, in closing costs in the United States, typically the, the seller pays for the closing costs. That's almost always negotiated into any deal. Well, it's important to know that in Cabo, the closing costs are paid for by the buyer. The seller pays the real estate commissions and the buyer pays all the closing costs. Oh, so I have to come up with 6% of $300,000. Yes, so does that adjust your amount of money you could put as a down payment? It does. If I can't finance that closing cost, then yes. Okay, so $150,000 for your down payment and closing costs and if we can get you financing, you could potentially purchase something in the $300,000 price range. Sounds right. Okay. Now, Scott, what is your timeline? What are you looking for in terms of being able to buy something? Well, I'd like to find something, you know, as soon as possible. And Scott, are you coming to Cabo? Do you have a trip planned? I do. I'm going to be there for business in about two months. All right. And do you already have the place you're staying at? Yes, I'm going to stay at Pueblo Benito Blanco. Pueblo Benito Blanco. Do you have the actual dates in two months? Uh, yes, it's going to be August uh, 15th. August yeah. 15th. And is it just going to be you or? Um, It'll just be me. You know, I didn't ask, are you married, Scott? I'm not. You're not married? Do you have kids? Yes, I do, but they're grown. Okay, so this is, when you say personal use one month out of the year, is that one month just you or you, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have friends you travel with? So it, could be, it could be myself, my girlfriend. It could be a family member. It could be not one month straight. It could be a week here, a week there. Okay. And so, but a lot of times it'll be just you using. Sometimes, yes. Okay. 
And we didn't talk about the actual property uh, characteristics, number of bedrooms and bathrooms. Yeah, so I'm, you know, two or three bedrooms, I think would be the minimum, and uh, the same two or three bathrooms. Okay, so minimum two bedroom, two bathroom, and right now you're thinking a condominium? Condominium or house, either one. Okay. Yeah. And are you open to the areas, or are you only thinking Cabo? Well, I, I come to Cabo, and I like the, you know, the proximity of shopping with Costco and, mm. you know, Home Depot and all that, so I feel comfortable here. Okay. Um, would you consider areas that are emerging where the price points might be more favorable to you and you can get more equity growth and also uh, potential um, better rental returns? Well, sure. So you are. And if that were the case, how far would you consider going driving-wise? I would want to stay within probably 30 or so minutes of this okay. area. Great. So I'm going to consider other areas outside of Cabo. There's been a huge growth on both the Pacific side and the Sea of Cortez side of our peninsula. And we have agents and offices throughout, and our MLS system has access to all those areas. So what my job, Scott, as your agent is to cast a net that in the beginning might be a little bit wider than um, you might like, and the reason why is we're going to narrow it down to the point when you come here in August, we're only looking at maybe a handful of properties because either we've looked at them on um, pictures or I will physically go to properties and video them and we could do a FaceTime video where we're interacting with each other. This will save time and also eliminate areas and communities. How does that sound? That sounds great. I'd like to get it targeted down to, you know, making a decision when I'm here in August. Okay. And when you're here in August, how many days do you want to dedicate to searching for property? Well, I'm here for a week and a few of those days are for business. So let's say two or three at the most. Two or three days. And are you, are you okay in spending four hours a day looking at property? Sure. And Scott, what I typically like to do, because I really want to get it down to five properties and communities that we're actually physically touring. So I have, in the next two months, my job cut out for me where I'm going to spend a lot of time sending you properties, going to properties on your behalf to get it to that point. Um, are you okay maybe the first day we see those five properties, the second day we're looking at those properties that are most of interest to you, and then you actually find one, we could actually make an offer on it. That sounds right. Okay. Sounds good. All right. And Scott, do you have any questions for me at this time? Yes. Yeah, so I know that there's a lot of growth in Cabo and there's a lot of construction. I, I see, you know, a lot of things that say pre-sale or pre-construction. And, um, you know, how does that work for me if I find something that's not built yet? Is what, what are the opportunities and how does that work? So Scott, the depending on what area and property type and price range, it's in upwards of 70% of the market is pre-construction. And so if uh, you're open to the idea of pre-construction uh, properties, it'll open up and cast that, that net that I was talking about much wider in the beginning. And the advantages that our clients in the last couple of years have experienced is a huge equity growth. So some clients have increase their investment by 50% during the construction wow. of the property. And so the market has shifted. So the 50% increase um, in one to two years is most likely not possible. 
but there are some opportunities where maybe you get 15, 20, maybe even 30% growth during the construction. Is that something to consider for you? Yes, but how does financing work with new construction? So financing typically in our market is you put 30 to 35% down when you sign the contract and you're making payments during the construction. And 20, 25% of the purchase price is left at the very end. Okay. And when I say the end, that's when you get delivered the unit and the um, title is transferred. Okay. So is financing, like I said, I could do half down and then you know, half of it financing. Is that something that works with new construction? Can yeah. I finance it right away? Yeah, so financing right away during the construction process, no, you'll have to make those payments during construction. There are some developers that require less, maybe only 50% during construction. But when you get the end loan, and what I mean by end loan, Scott, is when you actually get delivered the keys and title to the property, that end loan is 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, what you're used to back in the mm -hmm. States. And you can get that as an end loan through one of the two lenders I mentioned earlier, Moxie or Intercam. Now, one thing to be aware of is the lender requirements is going to be that you have to have the condo regime established in the project. So until that is happens, the lender will not lend you the money. Um. And so, that is a tricky part, but me as an agent, I know the properties that we can do that and it won't be a problem for you. Would you say it's a better idea for me as a, as a buyer to consider like a, getting a line of credit in the States? Well, Scott, if you have, do you own property in I the States? So how many properties do you own in the States? I have two homes. Uh, well, one house that I own and one that I rent out. Okay. And how much equity do you have in those two properties? Honestly, I don't know, but I'm guessing probably enough to, to cover the difference. Okay, how long have you owned them? Uh, I've owned them for, gosh, more than 10 years now. All right, and where are they located? Uh, they're located in Southern California. All right, and have you refinanced the mortgages in the last couple of years? No, I haven't. Okay, and do you remember what you purchased those properties for? Uh, let's see, the house I'm living in now, I bought for a little over a million dollars about 10 years ago. Uh -huh. And the rental property is probably about six or seven hundred thousand around the same time frame. Okay. Aside, when you hear that your clients in the States, they own a property for 10 years in California and they haven't taken a new mortgage against that property and they bought it for a million dollars, this is probably a three million dollar property now. And so there's a lot of equity. And so one of the things that I would reinsert back into the conversation, that's great to hear, Scott. Do you have a real estate? like a loan officer that you work with? I haven't uh, for many years now. Okay, so I actually have a network of real estate professionals and loan professionals that I can refer you to, mm -hmm. and we can do an analysis. Is that something that would interest you? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I mention that, Scott, is if you have one to two million dollars of equity and you leverage the equity in your U.S. property, you can get a loan for six percent, and then you come down here as a cash buyer. So you're saying that I can look for something uh, above the, my original price range of 300 to 350? If that's what you want. Okay. So if you want to increase your budget from 350 to 1 million to 2 million and you're okay with that, it sounds like the properties you have in the States, there's a lot of equity in there. So would you say that in that price range of 300 to 350, I would be able to find something with three bedrooms and an ocean view? 
If you're talking Los Cabos, probably not. And so if you want a minimum of three bedrooms, you know, mm -hmm. I have in my notes that we, I put down two bedroom, two bathroom minimum. Is that still a minimum requirement? A minimum of two, but now I'm thinking maybe a minimum of three because it seems like I can maybe afford a little more. Okay, sounds good. So um, what I can do, I'm asking you a lot of questions and I'm taking really good notes and I'm putting it into my CRM system so I don't forget it. But what I'll do, Scott, is after we hang up, I'm gonna start sending you properties. And based on the properties that you like, you can go ahead and favorite them. I see which ones you favorite, and we can make revisions to your search criteria. And then based on that, um, we can further refine what I was talking about, the funnel, the net that we're casting to a smaller amount. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay, and in the meanwhile, I'll introduce you, since you don't have a loan professional, um, I will introduce you to a loan professional that they can do an analysis to see how much equity you have and what it looks like to pull that equity out and be a cash buyer here in Cabo. Great, thank you. All right, thanks Scott. Look forward to working with you. <laughs> so in that, there's just a lot of back and forth that goes and a lot of discovery that you can find. In that particular conversation, I think Scott, because he actually suggested it to me, is a much more than $350,000 buyer. I think he's a million plus buyer. And based on what he sees in the properties I send to him, will determine if he's a million dollar buyer, a $2 million buyer, or just a half a million dollar buyer. Sometimes they wanna start low and then eventually work up to a higher price point. That happens all the time. Um, actually, Brent, I don't know where, oh, there you are. We have a client that has been with the company for over a decade, and Steve and Anita, and they bought and sold three properties, I think, three or four properties, and they just, he just emailed me and he just upgraded to a house, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And I'm just gonna close with this and then you guys can ask any questions or any client scenarios that we can talk through as a group is, Keep in touch with your clients, especially after they purchase, because they will eventually sell, and many times they'll buy again, and they will refer you more clients. And so Gene, who's been my line of sight the whole uh, time here, uh, coming from Century 21, she's gonna join us at Roneval. She was telling me that she had three listings in a community that she lives in, and I asked her, how did you get those listings? Well, one was a friend and the other two were referrals. So referrals only come about from people you know and people that you've done business with. And so referrals are super important. Make sure to keep in touch with your past clients because they will give you a ton of business. I got my first client as a result of somebody not doing that. They said, I was down there to visit, and I didn't buy on that trip, but I just never heard from my agent again, so I sold him a property. <laughs> Over 70% of uh, clients in the United States, as reported by NAR, will work with their agent they last worked with because they had a good experience, but far less actually do. I would say less than 20% actually do because the agent loses contact with that client. Super important. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nick Fong Podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Ronaval Real Estate. And follow Nick on Instagram at nickfong underscore Ronaval. Ready to find your Baja dream home? Check out the latest property listings at ronaval.com or findmexicohouses.com. Hasta luego.